and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, trailers, and anything else pop culture. In today's episode, we'll be taking a look at the highly anticipated Disney Plus series, Loki, Season 1, Episode 1, titled Glorious Purpose. My name is Ivan, and I'm joined today by my co-host and second Jedi Council member to not be granted the rank of Master, Emmett. What? This is outrageous. How can I be on this podcast and not be a master? Take a seat, Emmett. All right? Take a seat. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> Man, that would be the worst way to get a promotion. It's like, yeah, you got the promotion, but it doesn't come with a pay raise and no benefits, and <laughs> it's just more work. You are now manager, but you get no benefits. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I get why he turned. What I just yeah. went through in two seconds, I totally understand. As a 20-something that's gone through the corporate world at this point, you know what? Anakin was in the right. He did nothing wrong. Yeah, speaking of corporate world, this this show, I don't want I don't want to skip over news, but this show is very heavily like modern working world and I love it. The paper pushing <laughs> and all that stuff, it's so good. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of like a bit satirical, right? And like the way that it kind of highlights it. I, I I thought it was really cool. It reminds me almost like the not Inside Out. What's the Pixar movie we recently saw that kind of did the same Soul? thing? Soul. There you yeah, go. It's very Kafka-esque. Right. <laughs> it is. Uh, let's not skip news, though. There was a few things to cover, and we haven't done a new segment in a minute because we've been slacking on episodes. <laughs> uh, the yeah, biggest we- one on my news board is the Bo Burnham special was released uh, titled Inside. I've watched it a Three times now. Love it. Uh, and I think the best part of it, I mean, it's it's a great watch. It's very depressing at times, uplifting at other times. It's a very classic bow. Um, he kills it with all the songs, though. And Twitter was in uproar, and YouTube as well. They were, like, pirating the songs, releasing it on their own personal YouTubes, only like, channels to, like, get it taken down and get copy striked. And then Netflix finally the other day released the soundtrack uh, in its entirety, and they just said, sorry about the wait in their tweet when they sent it out. <laughs> they got bullied into that one. Damn. I gotta check it out. It, it's been on my radar since you brought it up. I think um, it might have even been on the show a few weeks ago, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's been sitting on my queue. I feel like I have a million different things that I'm like, I need to I need to circle back to this, but this is one that's at the top of my priority list. Yeah, it's a really good capture of like how people felt during this quarantine and it's not necessarily how like one person felt but like you can see yourself in different situations of like different stages uh and it's it's just so i don't know bo is so smart with his comedy i loved it a lot i hope he gets into movies soon again too because i feel like it was amazing it was yeah i'm did he do i was confused eighth grade with that other movie I'm, i'm trying to forget it was it like uh, it? Wow. I'm trying to forget it. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell this is at the end of the day here because my mind is like gone. Um, no. I do know what movie you're talking about. I also don't remember the name of it, but I think he was just acting in that, right? I think so, yeah. My contributions to this. <laughs> I, I recently had a chance to check out Cruella. And actually, oh, yeah, uh, that got released. Yeah, it did. It, I think it released last week, and I, I bought it. I, I paid the $30... Uh, VOD pricing, the premium pricing on Disney Plus. It seems like not a lot of people did, apparently, uh, according to box office results. But anyway, honestly, for anybody that's able to to do it or or, or you know either 
video on demand or if you're feeling bold enough to go to the theater at this point. Um, it's a good movie. I, it surprised the heck out of me. I honestly wasn't expecting much. Um, but Emma Stone killed the performance. She, she did really, really good. Um, it reminded me a lot. It, it took inspiration from the Glenn Close iteration of the character from the 101 Dalmatians, but it kind of did its own thing. And what I liked about it was that it didn't really take the Maleficent route. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I've only seen the first one, but yeah, they kind of try to make her more of a sympathetic character in that movie and kind of oh, nice. take away the um, some of the villainy. She was always but, the hero, though, the way I watched them. <laughs> no, I mean, with Maleficent, they try to do that. With, with, with Cruella, they, they do, like, subtly that, but they, they don't, like, fully commit to making her a full-on sympathetic character. Just you understandable, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you understand her motives, but she's still evil. Which I, I kind of appreciate, because it's something that... It's kind of a good cliche at this point, when you try to make... um. A hero, a hero out of a villain. When it's not always, you know, the the case. There's certain characters you can play that out too, but not all the time. But yeah, Cruella debuted, and apparently it it didn't do quite as good at the box office. It's done what, the, like 50, 50 mil over two weeks. Over two weeks, yeah. But when you compare, I think A Quiet Place Two apparently earned forty eight point four million on opening weekend. There's so, something about like horror movies will draw people out more than like a movie that you can kind of do without. I wonder if it's that, though, or if it's something else, because the the other component, I guess, to keep in mind here is Cruella is Disney Plus same-day release as uh, it premiered in theaters. A Quiet Place 2 is not going to be on video on demand for another 45 days. Right. So is it people actually were looking forward to A Quiet Place 2 and decided to go and risk it and go watch it in the movie theater, or is it simply... You know, like, like there just isn't an audience for it. I kind of don't think that there isn't an audience for Cruella. I, I, I kind of take it to mean like people do want to see this kind of movie in theaters, but they're holding out at the moment. Yeah, I would agree with that. But we'll see how it goes, because <laughs> uh, you know, you never know. And it's also hard to talk about this stuff now because it's like until people are there's enough uh, vaccinated folks in the country, we're not really gonna know if movies are quote unquote back or not. I think Black Widow will be a turning point. I think so, too. I, at that I think point, that's going to be a movie that people are like, I know I have to go see this on the big screen. Like, Kong would have been that if it released in July, but they rushed it to get it out in April, and yeah. people were not ready then. But I think people are ready now-ish. By July, they will be. You know how, like, if you go to a baseball game right now, like, I think if you go to, like, a, any any game here in Yankee Stadium in the city... You can get vaccinated as you're watching the game. <laughs> it, it might be a smart idea to just start doing that in theaters and At being AMCs. like, hey, that yeah. Wouldn't be bad. I mean, do whatever you can. Yeah. Get a vaccine, get a free pack of goobers. With the price of, mov- <laughs> of movie tickets, though, man, like I would be like, all right, I'll get vaccinated if you just give me like a large popcorn for free <laughs> or something. That's what I'm saying. Throw in a little yeah. like convenience uh, stand snack and uh, I'll get vaccinated again. <laughs> um, moving on from, from 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 Cruella and the box office, there are some pretty good sources on on this news that uh, Tenno Huerta has been cast as Namor the Submariner for Black Panther Two, which would be pretty cool. Um, he's a pretty like mid mid tier Mexican actor, 
So interesting choice though to play uh, to play Namor. We'll see. I, I I'm interested to see the story for Black Panther two and how it kind of plays out. I kind yeah, of expected. I them saw to this get released too, and Twitter was like not sure how to feel about it. It's like cool to get more you know announcements for the movie and whatnot, but how like what are they gonna do? Is it Black Panther without uh, Chadwick Boseman? Is like how people feel, and I agree with it. What is it gonna look like? Yeah, I don't like I honestly in the world where we hadn't had the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, I'd be super excited over Namor clashing with Black Panther because that's one of the classic stories from the comics. It you know at, take the most civilized, uh, technologically advanced uh, country in the Marvel universe versus the most advanced technological country in underwater <laughs> uh, in Marvel, and that that's a pretty interesting matchup, right? But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm excited to see it regardless. There should be something of an effort to uh you know attribute the success of it to Chadwick Boseman for sure. Uh but I do think that Black Panther is one of those characters that is kind of bigger than the actor because yeah, of mean, the impact. We've, we've had so many different superheroes be played by different actors. It's not like it's breaking the precedent. I think it's just because there's tragedy surrounding this one. It's not just like a recasting because that franchise fizzled out or something like that that it's so right question but i don't know i think it's it's almost worse to remember him and honor him just by letting that character die instead of just being like keep it in the conversation even if it's just we're like comparing this actor to the pre to chadwick like whoever the new actor would be to chadwick that would still keep his name going and and keep his memory going too i think yeah, the character of T'Challa is so rich in in history and and comic lore. So I just I don't know. I, I feel like they gotta continue T'Challa's story in some capacity. Yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? But it, this just kind of got my um my interest kind of peaked in Black Panther too because I'm like, all right, where are we going with this? Like, what are we gonna do? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what ultimately results uh, from this. But I'm excited. Bring back Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, well, they, it could work, right? Like, you have the multiverse coming in, so you could do, like, oh, this is T'Challa from another universe. He just happens to look like Killmonger. Where his father stayed within the family, like, didn't yeah. betray them, and then he got the mantle. Yeah, there you go. Good work. Uh, and then the last bit of news kind of connected to this, but I don't know if you saw this, but Ryan Reynolds, uh, I think, tweeted a picture. Or maybe this was on Instagram. I, I, I don't know. I got my social media stuff confused here but uh ryan reynolds teased um a picture of the deadpool mask in one of his uh suitcases i believe basically getting people's getting people's reactions to like oh he's it looks like he's actually on his way to film something for marvel so could we be seeing ryan reynolds pop up in the mcu pretty soon oh i saw it connected to deadpool 3 i didn't see it connected to a mcu yeah, apparently it's too early. Like Deadpool three uh, isn't set to shoot anytime soon. Um, what people were kind of thinking it might be, and what I think kind of makes sense is he might be shooting some sort of cameo piece, like an after the credits scene for something. It'd be so funny if they put him in like the Spider Man one, and then people got him confused for Spider Man or something like that. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> He's got the character has a long history with Spider Man in the comics. Yeah, it could work. He's like madly in love with Spider-Man in the comics. It's some, he's got this like stalkerish thing going on with him. So it, it'd be funny to kind of play off of that. Yeah. But that's all I got for news for this week. 
I think that's plenty. Let's get into uh, let's get into this episode talking about uh, Loki. Want to give us your quick take, spoiler free general thoughts? Sure. Yeah, and I think uh, you and I have kind of talked about Loki as a whole uh, offline a bit, but I kind of share similar thing to you. Like I, I kind of had a little bit of a dislike for the earlier iteration of the character. I think Tom Hiddleston always did a fantastic job portraying him, but I feel like they, he never quite lived up to his potential until uh, Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok came into play and kind of flushed him out a little further. Yeah. Uh, f- for me, I think this series looks like it's going to be one of the more consequential ones for the MCU as a whole. And this first episode, I think, does a great job of setting up the conflict, uh, reestablishing Loki for us, and having him be a little bit closer to what we've seen him become at the time of Thor Ragnarok, because you kind of, you know, through the through the events that happened in the first episode, you kind of address the concern that you and I had. And I think the last time we talked about it on the show, we had the same thing. It was like, this isn't the same Loki that mm. had all that character growth before. But right. it gets addressed. I'm glad that it did. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a really good start to the series. Uh, I'm hoping that it does the same thing that WandaVision and falcon and the winter soldier have done in terms of propelling loki up to his full potential it's a great start i haven't seen a lot of um complaints but i did see people complaining about pacing i do think there is some legitimacy to that but i do think that the dialogue heavy scenes work remarkably well they're written really well so i i it's it looks like a solid start for me yeah i think it's always exciting to get a new show to watch it's been it's it's funny we had three months worth of an episode a week and it kind of at towards the end of that i started taking that for granted until this last month where we're like we have nothing new so now i'm a little worried for <laughs> after this after these six episodes are done but i love that it's like 50 plus minutes long i didn't really have a problem with any pacing in it um i think to echo your thoughts i thought all the dialogue had a purpose i don't think anything was in there extraneously maybe it was just it felt slow i did notice they used a lot of like somber music which may have felt like the the episode was slower because of that but um i'm really excited for what we're getting in phase four uh but like you said i'm like with wanda with vision with falcon i was like lukewarm with them on their character i didn't really dislike them or like them because we hadn't really seen that much of them so their series really got to flesh them out and let them have their own voice whereas loki i feel like has gotten a lot more screen time and like you said, I disliked what was done with his character. I like Tom Hiddleston in the role. I think he's a perfect Loki. But they kept doing the same routine with him. He betrayed... Like, they made a joke about it in Ragnarok. Like, oh, you betray me again. And we go round and round and round. And I'm hoping that this show does something where it's like... Progresses the character where we can kind of forget that. And he can kind of grow to be where we got... Where we left off with him dying in Infinity War... Um, and it looks like this this show is going to be like no nonsense and no frill. Like it's going to explain what they're doing and be quick about it. Like this first episode was really good for an intro episode. It wasn't like a I can't keep up with them or I don't get what they're saying or I'm not aligned with it. I think uh, they kind of just put their cards on the table and said, "Here's where we're at. Deal the next hand." Yeah, I agree. I feel like, I don't know if you kind of share the same sentiment on this, but I feel like this gives me almost like a WandaVision type thing. This intro episode is almost what I thought WandaVision's intro episode was going to be like. 
in the sense that it establishes something that's new to the MCU, but also kind of gives us a good idea of what's to come, whereas I feel like WandaVision played its cards very close to the chest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, we've... Uh, offline, we've had conversations about the fact that we were kind of concerned about the MCU for a while after Endgame. I gotta say that after getting some of this Phase 4 stuff, I'm back on the train of being excited for the future of it, because at the end of Endgame... I was like, well, what other characters left that I care about other than Spider-Man? Yeah, you know? you know why we're... I feel the same, but you know why we feel excited? It's because we're still exploring characters that we know and we're used to. I'm not super... Like, I will watch it and I will enjoy it, but I don't know if I'm really... If I really care right now about, like, Eternals. Uh, Shang-Chi does look good, but... I don't know. It's It's all new, and it's like, that stuff, I feel like I have to relearn Marvel, where this is, like... Ooh, this is just a continuation of Endgame. They even throw Endgame scenes in here. That's a good point. You're right. I feel like it is, it might be a little bit too early for me to make that big. Well, we haven't um, had a new character. It's all people that like you're either lukewarm on, or even if you dislike them, it's like, okay, give us a chance to turn you. You know, like yeah, let me, let me prove why Loki is a bigger character or more of a complex character than what we showed previously. And I think they do that here. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So I feel like we're on the verge of getting into some spoilers here. So if you haven't seen it and you still plan to, I guess our general thought is enjoy the episode. It's really good. Uh, it's it's pretty quick pace as far as getting into what it's talking about, but it's still slow enough that you're not missing anything. So I would enjoy it. Uh, otherwise, if you want to listen on, uh, we're going to get into some scenes, characters, and plot discussions. I can't believe they threw out Mephisto in that first episode like that. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, are we back on the Mephisto train? I don't know. Maybe. No. I, no. <laughs> it has. I, I do believe the producers said that that was just a coincidence, and uh, it, it's not Mephisto in this. It was hilarious to me, though. It kind of took me out for a minute. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> We're back to hinting at this. But yeah, I love that they opened this episode with the Avengers Endgame scene. I feel like that's essentially what the Assembled series, or not Assembled, what am I thinking of? Legends series on Disney Plus could have been, or like should have been, like introducing a character and where we left off with them. They did what they needed to in like one minute's time of catching people up with where we're at. Um, and like you said in the spoiler-free section, this was a point where... Everybody walked out of Endgame thinking, well, wait, what happened to Loki? Because he got away. Like, how do you fix that branch of reality? Yeah, they're really doing some good work of, like, tying out, catching everybody up or just reminding everybody where we were. Because um, Endgame was such a big movie, too. Like, I kind of forgot about what exactly happened with Loki. Um, but, yeah, they, they literally waste no time. You literally pick up on this show the minute he leaves yeah and then he is immediately captured by the tva um the time variance authority who we find out through once he gets in custody and is brought to their head office he uh and is being led to his trial we find out that they're basically the keepers of reality in a way that dr strange and the ancient one were 
in charge of like the proper flow of time and uh, protecting our reality. Uh, the, the TVA is in charge of making sure that no one deviates from the constant flow of reality, uh, keeping us in a single verse as opposed to the multiverse. They did something that I think broke kind of some of the sacred film rules here, where they did a lot more explaining than they did just kind of showing us. Um, I don't dislike that, though. I guess maybe I'm just too simple-minded, but, like, I just No, I don't either. Just explain it, especially when it's, like, complicated things like time travel, how every single movie has a different interpretation of, like, going to the past will affect the future or will affect your new future. Like, there's so many different ways to understand time travel. And I like that they're just explaining it because it's like, don't leave it to interpretation. Otherwise, fans are going to go crazy with their theories, which is what we saw in WandaVision. Like, that was runaway train because they left a lot to be speculated. Yeah, and and this kind of allows them to to take control of that narrative, too. To just be like, all right, this is how it works. This is what's really happening. So I guess to kind of explain it, too, to to the audience here, like, the way that the show kind of sets up the multiverse is that it used to be all these branches of reality kind of flowing in and out and kind of crossing with each other. Um, but now I guess the, the time variance authority kind of melded it all into one continuous time timeline, which ties well, back not, like no, not, to it. The TVA didn't do that. The TVA is a spawn of the, the timekeepers. Time yeah. Who I guess were just like three ancient beings that merged all those multiverse threads into one. And, made it a much safer world or universe to live in and then the timekeepers created the tva agency or whatever you want to call it to be in charge of like i guess like micromanaging the timeline major micromanagement (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's, it's it's basically a more like thought out um explanation than what the ancient one kind of gives to hulk in Endgame about yes. the timeline. Yes. Which is really cool because obviously they're tying it back in. You kind of essentially have the same visual too when uh, they're explaining it. And it, I find it funny how Loki was being explained all this into a, through a like, um, <laughs> I guess like an educational video, right? <laughs> yeah. Akin to like what you DMV. see at the DMV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah That's exactly what I was thinking when it's, when um, he's getting processed, you go through the whole line that like, I'll take a ticket. <laughs> what are we at a deli no where's your ticket <laughs> yeah it's a it's funny the way they set it up with being like you this agency theoretically has access to any point in time whether it's going way in the past way in the future or following i guess a one constant thread of time uh and they've like settled with technology from like the 60s or 70s like they were using that funny projector uh, when they were going over, like, Loki's history. It is funny to see that, and then, like, when they look out the window in the later scene with um, with Mobius, uh, it's, it's this really... Morbius? I thought it was Mobius. I think it's Mobius. Okay, continue. <laughs> um, when they're looking out the window with, with, uh, with Mobius, it, yeah, it is Mobius. <laughs> um, they, you see this very, like, te- technologically advanced... Um, city i guess right like for lack of a better term on it but um and then inside of the facility it's very 1970s early 1980s aesthetics which is kind of funny because it's it's also kind of like um 
almost the way that Guardians kind of treated space also, right? Like, you kind of got the, the vibes of, like, um, there's certain technology that you would think would, looks, would look to be a little bit more advanced, but it's not. And over in the time variance, you have, like, these box set TVs, whatever you call those, the little square ones. Um, the tubes? The tubes, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, definitely a very interesting choice for visuals on it. Yeah, I like that. But before we go on to that, can we talk about the trial that Loki had um, after taking his ticket and getting the info commercial thing? He is sent is sent to this like courtroom where he has to plead guilty or not guilty. Clearly, he doesn't know what's going on because all he knows is that the Tesseract got loose and he picked it up and left. He didn't know what that signified uh, in a bigger sense. But, and they throw in this line that, like, Loki somehow deduces that the Avengers had gone back in time. He got it for the wrong reason. He thought they were preventing him from ascending. He didn't know about Thanos. But why aren't the Avengers held accountable at all? Like, I understand that, like, the throwaway line, like, they were meant to go in back in the past and right some wrongs because uh, the proper flow of time showed that they would clean up the the timeline when they put all the stones back, but they're responsible for this mess. Like you, you know, victim blame Loki as the fault. Well, the, the earlier on in that educational video, they, they also make reference to punishing people for even being late to work when they shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I got a, I just got a quick visual in my head. I'm like the poor guy who just clocks in like a minute late. And for, for whatever reason that counts as like a chain reaction. And he just gets abducted by these guys. Poor him. Um, but I, yeah, I, it kind of—it was like an easy throwaway line for them to be like, "Oh no, they were meant to do that. They should be held accountable." But I don't know. It seems odd that you're—it's not part of the cleanup. It is strange, but also there is that connection to like when Doctor Strange was viewing all the millions of possibilities. He said, "There's only one clear way to victory." I wonder if that just is meant like there's only one that's not going to completely destroy the timeline. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because that also isn't super clear if, like, how far into that timeline does he look? He looked five years into that one example, but did he look ten years past it? I don't know. And and there's also no indication to see whether or not he's even aware of the timekeepers. Which I'm assuming they'll, they'll, obviously they'll tie it in at some point, but... Yeah, I think that Doctor Strange and the Ancient One know about the timekeepers because she drew the exact same timeline like describing it as the proper flow of time to dr banner as what the timekeepers actually created yeah you'd have to assume that they, they would know or at least be somewhat aware of the potential of them yeah and like dr strange says his job is to like protect tony stark's reality like uh and like everybody's reality for that matter um so I feel like he knows more, but it is interesting. We'll get to this later, but like it is in. It's interesting to see like is the time stone really that valuable? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently um, not. Before we get to that though, Mobius, not Morbius, obviously, <laughs> um, takes Loki under his wing to pick his brain and just understand him better. Because Loki was flagged as like a high priority uh, apprehension, so he describes like 
basically what the mission is of TVAs. Uh, they even mentioned like the like branching off in time is like a Nexus event, which is uh, parallel to what Wand just called as a Nexus being. So she has the ability to break off time. So that's gonna that probably will come into play at some point. But they get really into like Loki's greatest hits, which is basically just like flashbacks to uh, what he has done, as well as what he was supposed to do if he didn't pick up the Tesseract. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me was his mother's death. Uh, what's her name? Frigga? Yeah, uh, Frigga. Frigga. Did you, when you watched Dark World, did you connect or blame Loki when he sent the guy up the stairs to the left? I, it might be because it's been a while since I've seen it, but no, I I don't remember ever connecting the dots there. Like, I know he sent him up the left, but he didn't say that he was, like, Mobius draws the connection that Loki did it because he was sending him to Thor to fight. But we didn't know that, so I thought he was just sending him up a different route where there weren't soldiers coming down from the right or something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I, I gotta rewatch it. Um that was a pretty go. harsh line though. <laughs> I don't think you have to go that far back. <laughs> don't do that to yourself, man. I feel like um that was a pretty harsh line too. <laughs> Definitely set him like, off. Yeah, when when Loki was like, I'll kill you. He's like, what, like your mother? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh Dang. damn. <laughs> yeah, Owen Wilson came in with some truce. For real, he he did. He, he's he's very fatherly in this um, opening episode, which we find out why. Like he really just wants to pick Loki's brain to understand what he's up against in the bigger world. Yeah, he's th- there's a lot of big revelations towards the end of this episode, and I feel like um, Mobius in, as a character. I, you know, I I was looking forward to having Owen Wilson in the MCU anyway because. I don't know, I always enjoy a lot of the stuff that he does, but um, he's definitely a character I want to know more about and just kind of see what his deal is in terms of uh, of a background. He kind of strikes me as the uh, the guy to challenge the status quo. Yeah, for sure. He's not he's not a Minuteman at the TVA, meaning he's not like a soldier who goes back in time to make corrections. He definitely seems like he is aware that what they do there is necessary, but it's intrusive, or um, it it goes exactly against free will, which is something that Loki struggles with a lot in this episode. Is He's very strongly believed that if I do this action, it will get me X steps closer to being a king, and that's what I want. And he's always believed that, that he's like meant to rule, and Owen challenges that, or Mobius challenges that, and says, like, you were never meant to rule. You were just meant to, like, uh, fail and help others ascend to their greatest level that they can. Yeah, he... he this this whole episode is kind of Loki's realization of, like, what his true purpose is in life. What a lame character he actually is. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. Well, it's kind of like the realization of sentience i guess in a way right like like if you tell if you were to like openly tell a calculator hey you're only meant to calculate numbers for us that'd be a pretty depressing thought for us yeah, you, you, have, <laughs> you, you know? have no control over what you're doing 
Yeah, and so, like, Loki's the ultimate rebel, I guess, in that form. I, I guess this episode kind of painted out a, a lot of stuff for me, um, for Loki, that I never really gained much... Uh, I never really gave much thought um, to the reasons why he kind of put it. I just thought he was just being, you know, petty. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it does do that. And that's why I'm already thinking that this show might make me go from... It might make me go all the way on that spectrum from disliking the character to liking him. Because it's not the actor that I didn't like. It's just what was done with him and how boring his plot was. But it's because they never put any backstory to it. Yeah. I could nor, see you should coming. they. I mean, they didn't really have time to do that in a movie that they're dedicating to Thor. Yeah. Yeah, he's always been like a, a secondary character, which, which is essentially the revelation that uh, Moby has kind of dropped on him. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. like, hey, man, you're, you're, you're not the main character of your story. Yeah, it is pretty brutal. Was there any like other flashback bits or flash forward bits that uh, stuck out to you that you would want to talk about? Um, I think for me the and I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but I think um, the realization of him of like kind of going through and experiencing what would have been his life yeah. had he not picked up the tesseract and he just gone through the natural flow of time. I th- I thought that was both heartbreaking and also like a really clever way. To catch up Loki and establish him back to where he was when we lost him in the MCU. Yeah, it's a great parallel to Gamora in Endgame. How she obviously dies to get Thanos the stone in Infinity War. But the past Gamora catches up because of what um, Nebula fills her up, fills her in with. Like, here's what goes on in the next four years that you miss or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I really like that we're able to speed up his character development to where we last left off and what we liked about him, how he came full circle to being a good guy. Um, that is getting ahead a little bit, but I, I totally agree. I think that moment of, I guess, flash forwards, not flashbacks was really, really powerful, uh, to watch him have all these like breakthrough breakthroughs that took six hours of movie time for us <laughs> yeah it was kind of like a, a crash course in like speed therapy <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is what mobius was doing too he was like he even called it like a bit of a therapy session i, I suspect this show is gonna make me really like become uh more attached to to loki just from like this first episode alone and i feel like they, they have good chemistry between him and mobius i feel like they kind of challenge each other kind of keep the the they almost understand one another by the end of the episode yeah I, I would say so um i think there's still a lot to build on their relationship though i could see you becoming a hardcore loki stan at the end of this whole six episode arc did you call it a stan yeah <laughs> you're so I, hip I'll, I'll see you i'll see you drafting up your loki cosplay in time for comic-con i don't know if i'll go that far <laughs> I'd rather go Thor. With, with my muscles, please. I'm a shoo-in. I'll go in as thick Thor. So. Did, you, did you see that post? That uh, uh, What's his name? Chris Hemsworth posted? No. What? <laughs> Wrapping up uh, Love and Thunder. Oh, my oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He is huge. <laughs> so, yeah, after he gets uh, a few scenes, Mobius is pulled out of the room. Loki swiped the controls to the collar and is able to break out and tracks down 
the guy who filed away the Tesseract in order to go back to the records and pull it for him so that he can find a way out. Uh, but here we find that like when he picks up the Tesseract, it's in a drawer with like 15 other time stones, uh, reality stones, other space stones. I think there was a few power ones in there. There was also a few other things that probably are on like a YouTuber's Easter egg hunt or whatever, <laughs> but uh, not that we're going to get into that. But it, I thought this was a really interesting scene, and I, I've seen a lot of like heartbreak on Twitter already about this, how it, they're like the stones are being used as paperweights, and basically it was what four other uh, MCU heroes have given their lives for. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know. I feel like on, on, on one hand, they kind of get where they're kind of coming. They want to establish the timekeepers as like the ultimate power. Um, I kind of get why people are a little annoyed by it. But at the same time, it's like, there you know, it's, you have to kind of realize that at some point, there is very various levels of power, I guess, throughout this kind of um, fictional world, right? So, yeah, I love it. Um, it's heartbreaking to watch, and I I had those same feelings that Twitter has right now, where it's like, we we watched three phases worth of collecting these things, and now you're going to tell us that these people have had the stones the whole time and could have helped with correcting time or something like that. Um, I had those same feelings, but I love that phase four is looking at higher powers. Like, for three phases, we built up Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor as, like, the ultimate beings and, like, the ultimate powers. And then they were only matched by Thanos. Now we're looking at like agencies like um, that have been working in the background that make that pale in comparison uh, to what we were getting. And then we're going to be getting things like the Eternals, who are even bigger beings. I just wonder what this means for Doctor Strange, who seemed like he was probably among the top tier of most powerful heroes for phases one through three. Uh, does this weaken him? Uh, or does this like is there a way that he can leverage the power of the stones or the power of the time stone because they still have power outside of the TVA agency so maybe I don't know if the fight's not there he's fine I wonder if the if the TVA exists in like a outside the natural course of reality like it, it's not an actual like it's a different existence it's kind of like the way that they describe the real world in the comics where like our real world is a completely different untouchable dimension because nothing from the Marvel Universe would work here. Um, it's very meta, but I feel like Marvel's always been pretty good about embracing some of that kind of lunacy from the comics. So it, it, it's fun. I feel like uh, I, I don't really know. Like The minute you start getting into like God-tier modes, <laughs> it's hard to really like... It's hard to not get caught up in those details, too. Right, like always figuring out like who's the who's the strongest character in the MCU right now. Like right now, it's based off of power, but obviously that's about to change. Yeah, it's I don't know. I'm willing to just kind of ride the ride and just let these bigger powers fight um, and like manipulate time and manipulate each other. I'm cool with that. I don't. I, I will probably join in discussions to say who's more powerful, but I don't think I'm. I think I'm willing to step back and not nitpick too much. One thing I'm noticing is that, like, when we watch WandaVision, maybe because it was the first one of these three, but we looked for every opportunity to make a prediction and make a, like, 
oh, did you notice this was, like small detail? This I feel like I'm just kind of enjoying. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough because I feel like um, Wandavision almost purposefully sprinkled a lot of stuff in there, and I don't know if you've, you've had a chance to like look at some of the more recent interviews with Kevin Feige because he confirmed some of the stuff that you and I were talking about. We're like. Those commercials that were in WandaVision were meant to be Doctor Strange sending Wanda like a, a message, but because they weren't able to get Benedict Cumberbatch over to the U.S. because of COVID, that idea was just scrapped. But they had this, they had these visuals for these commercials, so they kept the commercials in anyway. And apparently, Mephisto was part of the plan, but they scrapped it because of some unknown reason. So, um. It's hard, right? Because like I feel like with WandaVision, it was different. It was almost like they were intentionally putting these together. But unbeknownst to us, things behind the scenes changed. And over here with this show, I feel like with this show and with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, none of that stuff was played out that much. There's definitely a lot of Easter eggs in this first episode of Loki, but I don't think any of it really, really matters. It's fun to point it out, but I don't think it's like planting seeds for too many things. There may be like a handful of things, but I don't think everything needs to necessarily tie into something bigger. Yeah, I, I feel like the uh, the Mephisto thing was kind of obvious that it was all set up for that. And then they had to figure out a quick patch for making a change. So that doesn't really surprise me. But I didn't know about the uh, I didn't see that interview with uh, the Fahis about the um, about Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch not being able to get in. And he was supposed to be those messages. So that's interesting to hear. But. Yeah, so then in terms of this episode, we already covered it, but he goes like Loki goes back to the room, has a fight with one of the agents, and then views what his the rest of his future was supposed to be. So that's where he starts to get that character development. The episode ends with the with uh, Mobius's character coming back to the room and explaining the time variant antagonist to quote him is he just says it's you, um, which I think everyone takes on face value as meaning it's Loki from like another point in time but it's also possible that he just means like it's a person like you um, who's maybe like lost in time or something like that I kind of initially I took kind of took it as a red herring but having learned from from watching WandaVision and all that I feel like it might be as simple as like it is a different version of Loki there's a couple of suspicions I have but yeah, let's get into those. Let's just do predictions now, because um, I feel like most of our predictions are surround that. There's not really too much else to predict on. The yeah. basically, the rest, the setup for the next episode is going to be that Loki has to decide: does he want to help Owen Wilson's character track down whoever this antagonist is, or not? It seems like he doesn't really have a choice. So, um, I guess our predictions are going to be: who is the antagonist? Any leading thoughts? Um, I have one. <laughs> I have one, uh, this kind of falls into the Easter egg kind of thing, but also, like, when you introduce the TVA and you introduce the Timekeepers, they're a, um, a, like, the main antagonist, I guess, for Kang the Conqueror, which is a major Avengers villain. Um, he's a traveler from the future that basically breaks, uh, the laws of time constantly. Uh, so I... I, I couldn't help but like make those connections in there because between the rest of the Young Avengers forming up in other shows, and him being a introduced through the, a Young Avengers story, I feel like a lot of the this episode was calling out to to Kang between the introduction of the Timekeepers and when when they made reference um, 
I think the introduction to Mobius's character was him exploring a, a crime scene, uh, and they're talking about like, oh, it was him again. He's he struck again, something like that. Um, my thoughts were immediately like, oh, this is Kang the Conqueror. This is exactly what he would do. <laughs> Um, but towards the end of the episode, it's it, you know, like you said, it sounds like it's more of a variant of ver- a version of Loki. One thing I did notice from the credits was the name of the judge. Her name is uh, Ravona Renslayer. It's a pretty heavy direct tie-in to Kang. That's uh, Kang's love interest in the comics. So yeah, I just I can't help but feel like he's gonna have some sort of presence or at least they're going to allude to him in the show somewhere i don't necessarily think he's going to be the the antagonist but i do think that we're going to set start like uh planting the seeds for his uh arrival at some point i don't know there's just too many things in this (laughs) in this series that kind of point that way so yeah they've certainly set him up the same way that wandavision set up mephisto so barring them going in a different direction for whatever reason it should be him uh in that last scene or the second to last scene, whatever it was, where um, like the hooded figure lights the oil field on fire and kills four Minutemen, um, they right before that they said that the person's technology was from the third millennium, which I think timeline-wise makes sense for where Kang originates, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do feel like they're pulling a Mephisto card on us again with this. Kind of, yeah. Because, but the other thing is like they already cast Kang uh, with uh, I think Jonathan Masters from um, uh, God why why am I forgetting the name um, but he he's on this very big HBO show but he he's been cast as the character so they have him however they've said that he won't make his debut until Ant Man three so I don't know <laughs> this they could just be pulling our leg you you did have a prediction on it potentially being actually if we're sticking with Loki himself like what that could be. Uh, you're talking about Lady Loki. Yeah. Yeah, so this is one that it seems like the fan base has really picked up on. Uh, and it was said that Lady Loki would be introduced at some time. Uh, so it kind of makes sense that it could happen here. Uh, I forget where I picked this up on, but someone took a a still shot of Loki's intake form when he was being processed by the TVA. And under his gender section, it's just written as fluid. So it's a small detail that could hint at uh, Lady Loki being uh, a version of him, but it also could just mean like he has the ability to shapeshift into other people's forms. Um, so it it's possible that's also like another red herring. That is kind of funny though, because in the comics he is he has been explicitly gender fluid since like the early two thousands. Uh, but part of the explanation for that is like he likes to morph himself into the female version of himself. Um, and he's had, but then there's other iterations of Lady Loki where it's like a, a, literally an alternate version of Loki from another universe. Um, given that we're dealing with time variants here, I I kind of think you might be right about this being um, Lady Loki. It seems like the obvious kind of choice to go with. Yeah, it, I I think this is probably where they're going, and they're also giving us the Lady Thor, which is going to be in Thor Four: Love and Thunder. So. Why not convert them both to the female form at the same time? Uh, (laughs) That was pretty much just a copy from what the internet's saying, though, so that's not really anything I've known about. I don't really know that. As I've said before, I'm not huge into the printed comics, so all of this is new for me uh, as far as prediction-wise. 
uh, goes, but one that I like <laughs> that I know it's not, but I'm going to hold on to it just as long as we're going to hold on to Mephisto, but the nightmare references are also there. Uh, <laughs> don't laugh at me. Um, <laughs> but like the, the kablooey bumble bubble gum that is in the first uh, flashback or not flashback, I guess the time we're introduced to Mobius, the crime scene, the like cartoon face on the packaging resembles nightmare. And then blue is also his color too. Right. Yeah. Um, and then Loki calls the TVA a nightmare and Mobius says, no, that's another department, but you can get rid of that one if you want. Like, I don't know. <laughs> These are small things that probably mean nothing, but they're fun to like use as evidence. Yeah. I, I feel like there might be something to it too, because the the heavy rumor right now is that nightmare is the villain in Dr. Strange too, um, which would make sense. Uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like they've been planting the seeds for a while, right? Like, we went from one division to this, and I, I, as much as I want to like kind of separate these out a bit, I gotta think that this might actually end up being one of the most, um, one of the heavier influencers for the main MCU um, after the show. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if this leads into Spider-Man No Way Home, which then leads into Doctor Strange. Which then also picks up some of the elements from WandaVision, which would be kind of ambitious even for Marvel because this is tying out like shows and like several shows into several movies. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like that they are using these series to tie everything together, you know, to be the bridge between phase three and really for that matter, what phase one and two were as well, but bringing like the OG fans to this new. Um, generation of movies, I really like that these series are more than just like paying an homage to Wanda or to Falcon or to Loki and actually using them to be like, let's set up Doctor Strange, another movie. Let's set up like the the multiverse of madness. Let's set up the uh, Spider-Man films and all that. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot that they can definitely use these shows for. And the thing that I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing is like, tying in the characters that are introduced in these new shows to the to the main MCU movies to see how they kind of play out and we've had like characters like Monica Rambeau uh we've had I don't I don't think uh what well, we did with John Walker right from Falcon and Winter Soldier um and over here we have Owen Wilson's character Mobius I I wonder I'm looking forward to how they will translate into the into the big screen um only because I feel like the characters that we get introduced to on the show, we have more of an opportunity to get to know them, I guess, more like closely, more intimately, however you want to put it. Um, so they, I, I feel like they almost kind of get a better um, entry into this world than, than some of the movie secondary characters. Yeah. I kind of picture them having a role much like a Darcy had, you know, where it's like, you know, her, she's in a few of the movies and then she gets some time in the series to like grow it a little bit more. I think they're going to kind of have these characters, like you mentioned, a Monica Rambeau or a, a John Walker or Owen Wilson, perhaps be in the movies, but be like a small role. So then those are like, ooh, that's a good callback. Yeah, and, and the only difference is now like you'll you'll have this like sandbox that you can go to and just watch them kind of play out a and get fleshed out a little more whereas before it was like oh i really enjoyed this character i wish we could have more time 
but shame that we're not able to. Uh, and now it's kind of different. Like we we are able to kind of flesh those characters out a bit. I think like in terms of of predictions, though, like I aside from like maybe getting an introduction to Kang the Conqueror, I don't really know how else they're gonna go through the show. Uh, if we're exploring Loki variants, and I know I kind of talked about that before on the show, that it seems like that's the way they, they were going according to the, like casting rumors. Um, I do hope we get the other variations of Loki. Like I hope we get Frog Loki. I hope we get uh, <laughs> uh, Kid Loki. Kid Loki and Lady Loki in particular, I think, are the characters that kind of flesh out the character the most. So I do hope that we get a chance to see both of them. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just excited to kind of see how they tie this out. I'm hesitant to say that it's going to be anything major. I I'm picturing it's going to be just Loki going on missions, trying to track down whoever this antagonist is, whether it's actually him or if it's another character. I feel like there's going to be two villains in this show, much like there was um, in WandaVision, you know, or even Falcon and Winter Soldier for that matter. I think it's going to be like a this person's the bad guy, and then secretly at the end, like, uh, there's someone else that we had to keep our eye on. Um, short-term prediction, I think it's just like, I don't know, they're, they're probably just going to do a couple missions next episode, but I, I like that they're going to be like 50-minute episodes. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm more excited. <laughs> Whatever kind of, like, uh, stability they can give us on episode lengths, the better. I feel like Mandalorian just kind of took me for a big roller coaster where I'm like, is it going to be 20 minutes this this uh, this week, or is it going to be 50 minutes? Like, I mean, I would I rather have a shorter season with episode, like, number of episodes, but have each be an hour. Just because you really, like, you're not on a roller coaster. Like, with WandaVision, it's like, you're not giving me enough time to really enjoy the plot or build up suspense or anything like that and then you just leave me with a cliffhanger and immediately cut the credits you know i want something like this where it's 50 minutes where sometimes the pacing might seem slow but at least like you get to breathe during those slow parts and reflect on what just happened and what is going to happen next i feel like the the series all, all three of them at this point have been paced out really well though that i'm like almost kind of spoiled because now when i go to like a, a formal series whether it's something i'm watching on like um on a major network or something that spans 16 plus episodes i'm almost kind of impatient now because i'm like oh there's so much more filler than i kind of realized because telling stories in the six to eight episode time span i feel like gives you the best narrative you can get um almost so that it kind of ruins the experience for the longer season shows <laughs> at least for me yeah, I think the thing is that like those other shows that you're talking about generally are operating under the idea that like we got to save some of our good stuff if we're doing a second season or whatever. I feel like these guys were just like, nope, we just need to prepare everyone for the next movie and we just need to like move as fast as we can to cover as much as we can because we're only getting one shot at this. And I hope it kind of stays that way. But we'll see. We'll see how. I don't, kind of I don't need a season two on any of these shows. Um, no. I, just, I like. I would like a season for like all these characters. You know. Yeah. If you had to pick a character from the MCU to give a Disney Plus show from the roster right now, who would it be? I mean, I'd probably go with Spider Man. Yeah, I can never get enough Spider Man. Plus, he's got like a plethora of villains compared to everybody else. Yeah, I feel like he is set just the number of villains. 
Also, just like his routine is like going to school and then like fighting crime after. I feel like that that's like each week could be an episode type of thing. That's his extracurricular activity, like flat out. But yeah, I, I think we both really enjoyed this episode. I think there is still a lot left that we didn't break down and analyze just because there's so much. But uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they play out the rest of the season. So if there's anything that you think we missed that we need to readdress or anything that you want to bring up to us, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at BT4th Wall, 4 being 4th. Otherwise, thanks for listening.